Yo, what's up guys? JB here from Theory11 and I am on the line now for our fourth MagicCon podcast. We are currently three days away from when registration will open up for MagicCon 2010. Uh, it's going to be opening up this Monday, which is the 19th at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check out more information about MagicCon and registration at magic-con. Org. You can also listen to the previous podcasts that we hosted with uh, Michael Weber, uh, Derek Delgadio, um, John Lovick, Eric Mead, and of course, Dan and Dave Buck. Um, tonight, I am joined on this podcast by uh, someone particularly significant to MagicCon because it's someone that has been talking about a, a con- conference, a convention like this for as almost as long as I've known him. I- I'm curious to see his thoughts on what MagicCon is, what the goals of MagicCon are, and what his hopes are for what MagicCon can be. So please join me in welcoming Chris Kenner to the podcast. Hello, hello. Greetings. So, um... To start this off, can you just talk a little bit about uh, what what your mindset's been? You've talked a lot in the past about wanting to do a conference like this, and so this is kind of uh, that vision um, that you were hoping for to occur coming to hopefully a fruition with a lot of the best minds in magic, yourself included, Sebastian, Derek Togadio, uh, Bill Goodwin, Hollingworth, Chad Long, John Lovick, the list goes on and on. What are your hopes uh, for what something like MagicCon can be? What is the potential of MagicCon? Well, I think, I think one of the things about this convention that's going to be interesting is it's going to be uh, kind of... They, they, I think they have, at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is learn from what they didn't like about conventions and what doesn't work at Magic conventions and what has just been going on for years and years and years and try to do something different. Because if you look at the conferences like TED uh, and all these, these big things that are, you know, they cost a ton of money and the best minds in the entire world watch this, look at this, pay attention to TED. That's the kind of the goal they want to do. They want to make this something that's actually going to try to enhance and advance the art and not just be a giant dealer's room. Because I think that sometimes at some point, conventions just become a giant dealer's room. And unfortunately, you know, I think that some of the feedback they've gotten has been, is, oh, is there going to be a big dealer's room? And I don't think that's... I think this is going to be more about... Each person and each presentation and each idea is going to be more about magic as an art form, magic as what it is, at least as an art form, to the person that's talking. Um, and it, it, won't, it won't just be this random convention of, here, I'm going to go up and I'm going to teach you a trick. And our next thing is a show. And now we're going to teach you another trick. And then tomorrow morning we're going to start off with a contest. And then we're going to have a show. It's going to be something totally different. So I, I'm really excited you know how this is going to come out and play. I think um, Weber had an interesting point. I don't know if you heard in his podcast, and what his what his point was um, speaking on dealers' rooms specifically is uh, that dealers' rooms are really the only remaining shred of mystery at a magic convention. So that's where you can go and learn and see cool new tricks and and kind of have your mind rocked by seeing some trick you've never seen before. You can walk around. You remember at uh, Magic Live, which was a great convention kind of walking around and seeing uh, cool tricks by magicians around the world. And that's, he was saying that's the last shred of mystery that's really at these conferences. Whereas at MagicCon, I think the difference is that these, the entire conference itself, we want to be that feeling of mystery, learning things, hearing what all these different presenters have to say. I think that whole conference uh, like represents that goal and, and hopefully will fulfill it. 
Um, give us your thoughts on the presenters list itself. I mean, these are people you've known for quite some time, personal friends of yours. What are your overall thoughts on the list of presenters that will be at MagicCon? Here, I looked at the presenters. Um, you know, I, I've been obviously speaking with you know Dan and Dave uh, quite a bit about this, and you know they've told me who they want to bring, and then they've got some surprise guests, which is not even announced yet. That are, I mean, absolutely amazing that they're getting. And if you just took those people, throw them in a room, and they just got to sit and talk and have fun like they normally would in their regular everyday life, and you could just watch it as an observer, that would be kind of fun anyway. I would, I would pay to go that. Take me out. I'm on the list, but take me out of the list. I, you know, I pay to go see what, you know, Weber and Delgadio and you know, actually just Weber. He'll he'll dominate the entire conversation anyway. He'll be he'll be referencing rare books rare movies and art artists that no one ever heard of. Well, I remember when Queequeg came out of the jungle and he had that first cave painting, you know, which is what I use to reference my magic. But, you know, uh, with having all these guys just talking and having seeing them interact, just that alone would be amazing. You know, I mean, Apollo Robbins, how often do you get a chance to see Apollo Robbins do anything? Apollo is actually he's too busy doing TV. Yeah, he's, he's actually actually working. And he's, he's speaking. I think later this week, I talked to him yesterday. He's speaking at that neuroscience conference, and I know you talked to him a lot yeah, about I, this um, in yeah, the past. October seventeenth. Yeah, I was yeah. I was supposed to go to that, but I actually can't. That's October seventeenth, and I think that's with Eric Mead. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Teller. I don't know if it's Teller for sure. I know Teller's been involved in that, but um, I think I think Eric Mead is speaking at it. But and to, that's in Chicago, yeah, on the 17th of October, yeah. Correct, but just to bring that mindset of talking about neuroscience, you know, and, and how the mind well, works. Well, think about how... it like this. They, neuroscientists have found Apollo, and Apollo is talking to them about, you know, the, the, they're going to him about misdirection, about timing, about how the, you know, how the, uh, how, the, how the eye works, how the mind works, and they're using magic, and Apollo is going to these, these are some serious minds in science. It's not like, you know your science teacher from high school. This is like serious guys here. And they all get together and, you know, they're going to listen to Apollo and these guys talk and they're going to sit around at the end of it afterwards and they have a roundtable discussion where they sit in the room and ask Apollo questions and they theorize, which, you know, if you think about how kind of important that is as compared to us talking about card tricks, it's, you know, it's pretty cool to have a guy like Apollo to come to this. I, th I think there's any, there's no way that you could put Apollo and guys like Weber and uh, I was about to say the name of the surprise guest, but we're not going to mention that in this podcast, um, in a room and not have a fun time, but also have like you're literally you're just your mind rocked by what would, would come and what, what would be discussed and what you would learn. Not only about tricks, this is not just about learning new tricks, this is about uh, presentation and theory and all the other related art forms themselves. I think that... Um... I, I think that, you know, Dan and Dave have talked about having, possibly bringing in some people from, you know, the TED speakers that touch into our world. They're not necessarily talking about magic, but they would talk about things that, if you go to TED.com and the TED speakers or TED speaking, there, there are guys in there, if you listen to some of those speeches, that you would have been, you know, mesmerized just sitting there with your mouth open, actually watching them live. And imagine a couple of those guys, I think, you know, would be great if they were to get them in here, which I think they're trying to do. So, um, we don't want to talk specifically or give anything away, but if you've given any thought to what you hope to uh, at least inspire um, with your presentation at MagicCon, or what at least 
regardless of what your specific subject matter is? You hope that people leave the room well, thinking, my feeling? subject matter is not magic. I'm going to be talking about, uh, for what I understand that they want me to do, which I will obviously do whatever they, they ask, um, but for what we've been talking about, my subject is not magic, which is going to be an interesting subject. It's how magic is used in other fields and um, how it's used in one, one field in particular. But, you know, it's, uh, that's going to be more about uh, my talk, I think. So mine is more of a, you know, open, keep your mind open kind of a, a talk. Is there any uh, speaker in particular out of the list of presenters that you are particularly excited to listen to them and have kind of a weekend just to sit and to listen to them present or speak on their topic? Well, do you know, I actually, because um, I've, I've only seen him perform, but I've known him for a long time. He's one of my best buddies, is Derek Delgadio. And if you, if you don't know Derek, Derek is very funny. He's Skill, skill-wise, he's absolutely like like one of the best I've ever seen in my life. He's very young, and he's been performing a lot. So he actually utilizes very typical, very good sleight of hand with very well thought out good tricks, and he does them for real people. So there's not a lot of people that actually do that particular thing anymore. So. It's interesting for me to see what he's going to talk about now. He's going to say, hey, here's why I handle the situation like this. Like the ability to me, I'm, if I, I've had this question before, and I've actually called Derek and said, oh, my God, how on earth do you get away with that? I've watched him because Derek, Derek, uh, Derek actually went to David's Island with me in Mushi Key one time, and we were you know, out someplace, and Derek did a cart trick for someone. And during the thing, he was so... And every moment I'm walking it, he had a card palm in his hand. And at any moment, I thought, oh, my God, he's going to flash that card. He's so, like, loose with that hand. And the person had no even thought that his hand was so natural and so free. And I've, I almost, like, feel like there's a giant red arrow pointed in my hand if I have something hidden in it. And just his mindset of how that, that works is incredible because he has got such a touch and such a natural ability to misdirect people that that alone... You know, I've asked Derek directly, how on earth do you get away with that? You know, and then he's like, well, of course, because I'm good. That's really, that's his answer, because I'm that good. So, <laughs> you know, he's obviously just kidding, but, you know, he's, he's really got, an, got that figured out. And to be able to sit around and talk to a guy like this and say, hey, how does that work? Why does that work? Why do you think that works? Why doesn't this work for me? You know, I think is invaluable. You can, just cannot get that anywhere. In our previous podcast with Derek and, uh, and with John Lovick, we talked a lot about the youth of magic. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the youth of magic and, and what effect a meeting of the minds like this at MagicCon, where the, the youth is kind of mixing and mingling with the, the older generation of magic and vice versa, what effect that can have, uh, what potential that has in and of itself? Well, obviously, each, each genre, the youth of magic and the I don't want to call them old-timers, but the old-timers, we'll call them that, are the seasoned professionals, which I think is like a weird way to look at it. But, you know, I think they need to get together more often and, and interact. Because I think if they, if they did, they would see that each group has something to offer the other one. And I think that, unfortunately, the young group, the youth guys, you know, they've they had, I made an argument the other day about youth versus the seasoned professional that's been doing it their whole life. And, and I said, I said, hey, okay, I'll tell you what, I know a guy who's, you know, 40, 
been doing magic his whole life, and, uh, and he's practiced every day his entire life. He's done magic at magic conventions a couple times a year. He performs, and he does a few shows. He's got a real job, and he's known as a super professional, you know, well-respected magician. And this person was sitting there telling me, you know, oh, this kid doesn't have any experience. Why should he be able to perform, and why should I respect him or listen to what he has to say about performing or presentation or misdirection? And then they were talking about experience. And my thought was, well, if the kid that they were talking about had done amusement parks and he did close-up magic in a restaurant near the theme park for three years, he had performed 10 or 20 times more for people than this 40-year-old guy with all the experience. And he probably learned a lot along the way. So maybe this kid has something to offer. You know, I think the adults need to learn that. And the youth need to realize, hey, there's something to these guys having some experience. At least listen to them, you know, and try to explain it. Okay, that's great, but that doesn't fit in my world. You know, there's, like, I don't understand what it's like to walk into a high school cafeteria and try to do a card trick. I don't really know the presentational issues and problems that I'm going to have, that they're going to run into. And as an adult, I might walk in there and be looked upon like an idiot. But there might be some kid that's totally got to figure it out, and that's what he that's what he does. So how do I beat that? You know, how do you that, that's their market? That's who they're performing for. That's what they're doing at this time in their life. So it's it's a tough road. It's hard to call. You know, I but I do think that they, these two groups get together, and each one can learn from the other. And it's 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 a, it's a great chance for this because we're going to have some of the best of the guys with experience. And we're definitely going to have some of the best young guys there. So it's going to be an awesome sort of meeting of the, of the generations. We talked in the, in the previous podcast a lot about inspiration. And we're hoping that people come to MagicCon and are inspired, not just by uh, like tricks that they learn, but also just by hearing these talks and learning about presentation, learning about misdirection, hearing about related art forms. Are there any other influences other than magic or even in magic that you could name specifically that contributed to your creative approach? Well, I mean, I look out, for me personally, I look a lot into design and the art world, you know, and I, I look at the way things are built and the way things are made, because I think um, every, this is kind of an odd analogy, but every single thing that I do, I try not to make a mistake in when I'm trying to work on a trick. It's like, how can I make this the best I can make it? What's the reason that I hold the cards like this or the a coin like this or the, that I tell the joke like this or the, I stand on this way on stage, whatever the, whatever it would be. I try to have a reason for everything and understand my scenario. So you learn from your mistakes. So I look at things that I think have mistakes, and everything kind of does in life. Like um, in venues, I'm in different theaters all the time. And you walk in a venue and you think, why on earth did they put the dock door right here? And then the, and then the, the dressing room is here, so you've got the sound of, you know, you, you'll think, here's, here's a dock door, here are the dressing rooms. Your trucks, a lot of times because it's a place where it's a colder venue, they leave the trucks running, so you get fumes running into the dressing room. Who, who thought about this? Who thought this out? How did they, you know, you, I see things like that, and I learn. I go, okay, that's something that I have to know. There's a mistake that's made here. You know, you have to look at that and see what's the flaw in it, what's the design, how does it, why did it do it? You know, I just look at every single thing that I do as, where's the mistake? Where's the thing? How do problem I and a solution. I and I find it, right. And most of my inspiration actually comes from art. We were talking about that. Is looking at, 
you know, anything I like. If I see a cool lamp I like, you know, you look at it, why do you like it? What makes you like it? What is it? Is it pleasing to the eye? Is it because it's, it's cool? Is it because it's got the right textures and things you like? So, you know, through constantly seeing things that you, you enjoy, you know, I kind of push that over into my creativity, I guess. Speaking about uh, influence and art and surprise and intrigue, um, do you remember that statue you showed me? I believe it's in the Chicago uh, Museum, an art museum in Chicago, of the little boy. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. It's called him. So to talk him, about yeah. So I think you could you could take something like that if you want to explain what that is. And to me, to me that was and that was actually with John Lovick when I saw it for the first time, and um, we were in the Chicago in the Museum of Modern Art, and it was the it was the most interesting statue thing I'd ever seen because it gets the weirdest reaction from every person. Everybody's different on this particular piece of art. But what it is, is it's this piece of art that they put in the center of a room. And the art is, it's a, it looks like it's a little boy on his, like a, I want to say on a, not a pedestal, but he would have his knees down almost like he was praying. So he's on his knees and he's looking at the wall and he's in a square room or in a room, in this particular case he was, but I've seen it in, done in other ways. And in this case, he was in a square room staring at the wall. And all you see is the back of this child. So it's the most innocent thing that you can picture. Here's a little kid that you're imagining. It's a little boy, and he's probably praying, looking at the wall. So as you walk up to it, and you walk around it, and you get to the side of it, you realize, you're slowly realizing, wait a minute, is this a really little boy? And then as you just get about three-quarters around in front of it, you realize it's Hitler. That it's not a little boy's... A jacket or coat at all. It's actually a military co- military um, uniform, and it's Hitler's face. So this guy is taking the most innocent thing in the world and juxtapose it with the most horrific thing in the world and use it as a piece of art. And to watch people react to it, some people would look at it and be amazed and go, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. You've got to see this. And they would have their friends look at it. Some people would walk up to it and be instantly walk away and hate it. So seeing that, that 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 much of reaction out of that makes you realize how you can take the simplest thing and get a reaction out of it. And it's there's not there's no words there's nothing it is just what the image in your head of the innocence and the image of you in your head of horrific and man does it have an impact and just that right there you know kind of really teaches you that boy it can be that simple. It gives you, you know, kind of, I don't want to say hope, but it gives, I don't want to use a cheesy word like that, but, you know, I'll use it anyway. It gives you the hope that you can come up with something that's that simple, that direct, and that powerful using our art form, using magic. And I think it's possible. And that kind of thing makes me just, I always will think about that and go, wow, that's just such an, an awesome idea to use that. And if I can get that much reaction out of, and that feeling that I felt the first time I walked around and realized what it was, um, I would do anything to be able to come up with something that cool. You know, obviously I don't want to come up with something with Hitler, but, you know. <laughs> but something that evocative. Um, so yeah, that, that interesting, yeah. On the subject of art, uh, there was a discussion with, I think it was Derek Delgadio in a previous podcast where he said they thought there was a misbalance in this industry between artists creating just to create a product and creating for the sake of art. Do you think there is a misbalance like that that exists in this industry? Um, at least right now? Uh, unfortunately, 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 you can't make a lot of... It's very difficult to make a really good living 
just doing magic. If you want to make that your life and your art and create it, do it like an art, you know, it's very difficult. To, it's not so easy, you know, to do, unless you're real commercial or you're whatever you, there's many ways to look at that. But, you know, I, I unfortunately, a lot of these guys have to sell their tricks to make money and to support their own little magic habits, basically. And, you know, there's, I always have said this, there's many reasons people are into magic. And it's not that they're sad, but they're just interesting. Some people are into magic to be famous, world famous. Some people are into magic to be famous in the magic community. Some people are into magic to be famous at the bar they're in that night. Some people are into magic because they don't have a personality. And that becomes their personality. You know, I just had a kid tell me, I think I said this on the uh, Tricks podcast, because it just happened. I'm in, in the show, and the kid, I walk in, there's a kid doing a magic trick for someone in the front row. And he says, uh, I'm watching him do this trick for somebody, and he says, oh, yeah, I just did a trick for that person over there, and then I, 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 I had this person asked me to do a trick, so I did a trick for them. And he looks at me, and he goes, you know how it is when somebody finds out you do magic. And I looked at him, and I said, I have, don't know how that feels, because I, mean, I won't do it. I don't do magic. If someone says do a trick, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do a trick. You know, I don't do that. It's not what I do. You know, my personality is my personality. I'm not, I'm not creating a personality through my magic tricks, which I see so many people do, because it's like a drug in a way. Because you, know, you realize, if you walk up to a group of ten people and you've never met them before, you're either going to do. Some people can can. The only way that they get noticed in that group of people is to say, I'm a magician, look at me, I'll do a trick. Or have their friends say, I'm a magician, look at me, I'll do a trick. I just don't, me personally, don't want to be known as the magician. Oh, he's a magician. Just do a trick. My Uncle Jimmy does magic. You know, so that that is kind of... And that's a, that's I, an I interesting guess, point as well you mentioned. I think we've talked about this before about magic's one of those rare things. You don't have like, if you say you're an artist, they don't say, oh, my Uncle Jimmy uh, draws sometimes. It's it's not like that. The magicians yeah. are kind of lumped together into one giant. Yeah, uh, well, and I think and I think what's good about you know Magicon is it is we want to break all those barriers, break all that stereotypical kind of stuff, and look at it like you know, and they, and they're going to learn from this. You know, they're going to learn from this first Magicon. And they're going to try to you know make it better for the next one. You know, it's it's not going to be like they're going to go okay, well that formula worked. Let's just do it again. They're going to you know continue. You know, look at Dan and Dave. Everything they do. Everything. I've known these guys for years. And every single thing they do, they try to be the best that they can be. And then they think, well, what would what would someone else do if they were better? <laughs> they just make it better. They always outdo themselves each time they come up with a new move, a new thing, an idea for a trick, an idea for something in their personal life. They take some they've taken some very big risks in their personal life that have you know worked out. So, you know, they're you know, my hat's off to them. You know, I think they'll be great with this. I think it's going to be a, an awesome thing, and we'll get a chance to uh, you know, see it. I think everything about this conference uh, just is all about bringing together a very eclectic group of people from the most earliest, youngest beginners all the way to the most experienced professionals. And the way the conference is advertised and priced and everything, I think, reflects that. Do you remember what you felt or what your feelings were, what your thoughts were about the future of magic 15 years ago and how you could compare that to what you know now, what you've seen now, and what you think about the future of magic today? Are you more inspired or less inspired knowing what you do, knowing what you know now and seeing what you have seen up to this point? Yeah, absolutely remember. I can honestly say, you know, 
and I know that this is some a lot of guys that are you know older say, oh, you know, they don't pay their dues, they don't want it the right way, and they're not crediting the right people. You know, we're right now in a transition phase. We we are we are in, an, in, a, in a position in life where you can learn everything now. We I would have done anything to have that 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Watching these kids learn and sponge it up so quick and have, have created so fast a new genre, a new, totally new outlook on basically close-up magic. I mean, stage magic is kind of stayed the same, or not necessarily the same, but it's not quite as had a, such a radical, revolutionary little change. And every kid growing up, I mean, I would say 99% of them are learning from this school of magic, where they learn it fast, they learn it instantly. Um, and I, I love it. I, I, I'm very, very excited to see what happens and how it's going to come out. I'm not going to look at it. I, will, I refuse to let myself look at it and go, they don't pay their dues, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, they don't deserve it. You know, they're probably sitting there saying to themselves, you know, hey, we don't deserve... Um, they don't deserve to know my knowledge because the knowledge they have, you know, they've given it to each other through YouTube and through being friends of each other. Like when they say, when, when these older magicians say, well, these kids, they don't know anything about credits. I'll watch a magic trick online by a magician who's been around for years, a couple of years. He'll do a trick where he, he just shows a trick. Here's my version of such and such trick. And at the end of the trick, he doesn't give thanks to the 20 different people who have credits in the trick, like the Vernon Double Lift or the whatever. The what, they, he doesn't name and list each move and thank the people that created it. If you look on these kids that do flourishes, I'd say about 50% of them at the end of the flourish video, there's a credit. And they actually credit them. It's a, and they're really picky and they really very, know. Very They'll say, they will say, that's, you know, thanks to Dan and Dave, thanks to Brian Tudor, thanks to Devo, thanks to, you know, Chester Johnson, thanks to, you know, whoever. And they list who it is and what it was. And you just don't, you don't get that in magic. Now, they might not know their magic credits, and they may not write, might not be as educated in the crediting of the magic, but hey, look, these kids actually care enough to credit. So, I think if they, once they learn, and as they start to learn, they'll actually probably care more about that credit in the magic than we did. I think the key to what you said is access. I mean, I remember speaking on behalf of myself personally. I never had a magic shop growing up that was in my town, so all I had was the internet, and I could ask questions and share ideas and, and techniques and learn. Um, so we're hoping that MagicCon is sort of a live representation of that where people can offline interact with each other, talk to each other, share tips, share ideas, and inspire each other in a way that isn't using a keyboard. Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. I think it's going to be awesome, though, to watch, you know. I think we're going to have a lot of a lot of very young creative guys and a lot of very smart guys with great reputations and, you know, a chance to see them all interact. And it's not just see them put together in the same room. You know, Dan and Dave have some ideas and some things to make them interact. You know, they're going to be forced to interact together. That's what's so cool about what's going to happen here. So to uh, recap what we, st- we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, um, MagicCon registration is going up this Monday, which is the 19th of October at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, noon. 
Uh, you can get more information on MagicCon at magic-con.org and uh, listen to the previous podcast as well to go along with this one. So a uh, special thanks to Chris Kenner for joining us on this, and uh, we'll chat with you guys soon.